My name is Matt Brown. Yeah, Chef, you should probably know. It's me. It's you? Yeah, you might as well know. And let's start the show. But I got you. I got just enough capital. I got you. Everybody, the world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Tuesday, May 30th, 2023. We might have the long weekend, holiday weekend blues. We might wish it was already another off day, but I promise you this week we will give you nothing but great content so that you could get to this weekend and have nothing but great times and enjoyment and relaxation. We're going to get you through it. Don't worry. It is a short week. This is a big episode. We are going to focus on the succession finale and what a finale it was. And before we get into that, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all our social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdCovalPod, TikTok at Productive Conversations, and we're on Facebook at Productive Conversations as well. So let me say this right off the bat before Ryan joins us. The Succession series finale, one of the best finales I have ever seen. And I've seen a lot of TV. I've talked about lots of TV. And this is it. This was a right ending. This was a realistic ending. This was an ending that made sense for the characters, choices and reactions that we have seen throughout the entire series. And it was... The way to go. Was it a happy ending? Not necessarily. Was it a wholesome ending? No, it wasn't. But it was an ending that perfectly tied every single knot together, that completed each storyline in the series, that gave justice to all the characters involved, and it was the justice that was deserved, and it still kept its integrity and entertainment values at an all-time high. So let us simply get into it. Let's talk about the significance of the finale. Let's get into why this is an important finale and why this is going to be analyzed, broken down, and discussed for many years to come. And let's simply talk about a great story coming to an end. So Ryan Pages, join me and let us talk all things Succession Series finale. Ryan Page, it's your turn Let's talk about this monumental television event. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. That's it, everybody. Episode 39, season four, episode 10. The episode was called With Eyes Open. That was your succession series finale. And it's officially over, and that completes the story of Succession and the Roys. So let's get off the footnotes. Plus, we have Ryan Page here. What's going on, Ryan? How's it going, Matt? Happy to be back. Not long time no see. As we were doing, (laughs) we were just covering this not that long ago, before when we had all sorts of crazy cousin Greg centric ideas. 
<laughs> and I mentioned to you at the end of the day, no matter what we think or what we do, it's all up to Jesse Armstrong and his writing crew. And mm-hmm. this is what they decided for the end of succession. The person who ultimately becomes the CEO of Waystar is Tom Shiv's, I guess, a strange husband. But we've seen that they're definitely going to stay together. And we'll yep. um, explain why. For the three Roy kids, they do not become the succession after all. Kendall, the front runner, was just one vote away from becoming the CEO of Waystar. Mm-hmm. And it came down to his sister Shiv. And his sister Shiv is the one that voted against him becoming CEO. They are sold to Madsen and his company, Gojo. And they are the ones who ultimately take over Succession. Or they are the ones that ultimately take over Waystar. Uh, Roman is definitely distraught, but he seems like he's going to be okay with Jerry's martini. (laughs) Um, Cousin Greg... Stays with Tom, but we see he's going to be a pack mule and he is going to pretty much be a pledge. But um, I guess that's better than being fired, but we'll explain that. Um, who else am I missing? Connor is going to just be rich in a quote unquote long distance relationship. Well, maybe we do, they leave that ambiguous. Uh, I actually, I, we'll, we'll talk about that. That was one of my least favorite parts of the episode. True, uh, true. I do that, have a note for that. That one scene was simultaneously my favorite and least favorite part of the episode. <laughs> um, but we'll get into that scene because it was a very important scene and it was Connor's only scene. Yeah, right? Um, so, yeah. So pretty much, yeah, I, I marked all the boxes. Anyone else I'm forgetting? I'm missing, obviously, Logan's dead. So, yeah, Logan's dead. Um, Jerry, Carl, Frank, they don't get into. It sounds like Jerry's staying. Carl and Frank or not, if the little like vignette that Tom, not vignette, but the little uh, kind of combo he has off to the aside with Greg is anything to go off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like Jerry's the only one staying uh, of that like core group. Also, Hugo's probably gone. He was Team Kendall. Um, Carolina might be saying they don't. Yeah, they don't really mention her. Um, but yeah, it seems, you know, I would say of the staff members, Hugo and Carolina, even their side characters, I would say the three main, uh, executives that we follow the entire time are Carl, Frank, and Jerry. It sounds like Carl and Frank, despite supporting the sale. (laughs) Well, that's what they get. All right. So that pretty much ties up all the loose knots. I think it was a great finale from the start. I, I think it was a very, very good one. And historically speaking, I think it'll be known as one of the best because it successfully ended everybody's story in the correct, most realistic way. And it was mm-hmm. also justified. And so let me ask the big question off the bat, Ryan. Do yeah. you think this was the right finale? I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if there was a right finale. We talked like ourselves as like possibilities just kind of for fun. And I think what we came up with is pretty good too, but I think this was great. It was kind of like a mix of several of those. I mean, I get, I don't know if right necessarily dictates anything here. I think that Mm -hmm. this was a very narratively pleasing finale uh, for the tone and tempo that they told Uh, the name of the episode. I think I, I didn't know that when I, we did our last one. I had looked up the name of the episode. I think that really gave us a, a, a hard look at how this was going to end. Actually. And it's called With Open Arms. 
uh, with open, uh, no, open eyes. Oh, sorry, uh, with open eyes. And I think that we see all three of the Roy. I mean, I know there's four Roys, but the three Roys that we kind of follow, they all see it. Uh, their eyes are open. Uh, Kendall, when he loses everything, realizes he says it at the end uh, in his that that one, that last that big scene that we get with this, just the three kids arguing in the uh, conference room. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, I'm a cog made for this machine. He, he openly admits that he is not worth anything anywhere else that it is i'm in charge you know i work here or i don't um yeah and he said you know i might die it might die at the end which would have completed Uh, your prediction yeah but uh in roman even said that you know after shiv left uh you know we're all bullshit he said that he said i'm bullshit she's bullshit he says we're we're not real people Mm-hmm. He essentially, he goes, we're make-believe. We're not real people. We, we're, we've been filled up and built up by this system that we've lived in, you know, these ivory towers, and we don't – we're not real. Like, yeah, we're, we're real spoiled world. brats. We are yeah. an example of being Nepo babies, which over the past few years has really taken a influence on people. Like, like everybody always blames – not – I'm sorry – let me write this differently. Nepotism is definitely a crux to a lot of people in this world, especially now in a world where inflation is big. It's hard to go by day. It's hard to survive day to day. And you see people somebody want to, blame, baby to yeah. get through. People want to have someone to talk about. They want to have someone to point at and say that person didn't earn it and yet they have it. It's sometimes yeah. it's sometimes it's worthy. Sometimes it's not. But it's it's a mechanism people use. Uh, and in this say, story, it's somewhat assuring that the nepple babies did not get it at the end of the day well unofficially because we know about shift well also i was actually going to say even shiv you know we talk about with open eyes uh i mean we've seen we saw shiv in the beginning you know she was queen bee girl boss i mean people fell in love with the character because of it despite all of her very obvious flaws that she was just as bad as her brothers just as bad as her dad uh people forgave a lot of that at first um because she was a little bit, you know, more to the left, a little bit more uh, palatable. She was the palatable face of the Royce. I mean, they even say it. They use her in that capacity as she's the softer, more acceptable Roy that we can put out in front of people who don't like our, you know, Newsmax QAnon nonsense that we put on TV. Um, but even then, she was still, she's still bullshit, just like Roman, just like Kendall. And at the end, she uh, makes the decision for a pro- could be any number of reasons, which is why I really like that it was her that ended up making the decision, which I did not see coming. Um, uh, she makes the decision to s- vote when she because she knows Tom's going to get it. Makes yeah, she told to him vote. a few seasons right before. Yeah, and so she, you know, open eyes. She at the very end, she puts her hand in his hand, kind of meekly as they both get. You know, she says congratulations with absolutely no emotion. Uh, to which Tom responds, "Thank you." With equal amounts of emotion and mm-hmm. she, you know he puts his hand out first and she just gently places her hand in she's open eyes she's the wife a lot of people like she technically she yeah that, that that that's she's what she accepted. she accepted she accepted the role of marcia and of her mother these roles that she swore she never to take these roles that she was so you know she railed against these those types of women throughout the entire series she hated marcia she hates her mother um and at the end, with open eyes, knowing she she knowingly did that. She knowingly voted for Tom to take it, knowingly went with him, um, knowingly took that role because she realized that at that moment, 
that was it. That was her life. Her life had been, I don't want to say reduced because there are a lot of very happy mothers and wives who are just mothers and wives. And that's a hard enough job as it is. Mm-hmm. But we we saw that she had ambition beyond that. So this is not a case of Shiv wanted to be a mother and a wife the whole time. She wanted to be the CEO, but she resigned herself to this role. Um, it was the role that her father basically wanted her play. I know a lot of people say that, you know, maybe he really wanted it to be Shiv. I don't think he wanted it to be any of his. He did tell a lot of, he told all his yeah. siblings he that, told and they all, all mentioned that in their point. final, yeah. in their final argument with each other. Yeah. And I think that he didn't frankly probably care for any of them to be in charge. Um, to be totally honest with you, I don't think he had a preference. I think that yeah. he, when he died, he didn't really care what happened. Um, genuinely, mm-hmm. I believe that, which is almost the, the worst part about it because, you know, they, the, the Roy's imploded over something that their father probably didn't care about selling. Uh, I mean, he, he was the one who started the sale, right? So, um, again, I think that with, with open eyes, all three of the Roy's saw themselves for who they are and I think resigned to it. Um, Again, Ken does nothing. He sits there in nothingness. Uh, uh, Roman, you know, he had his brief stint as the, the the badass, you know, CEO, and then he moved on. He's back to being the the uh, playboy at the bar, right? He's uh, or whatever. He's you know, he's out. He's out. He's got his drink, and he's resigned to the fact that he's going to be heating up a bar stool, probably using. All Notice that money he was he the last made. one to actually smile in the final shot. He did, and he did smile, and I think that's why, because ultimately he ended up, I think, sort of where he started, which smarter, wiser. I don't yeah. think he's the same person. He's definitely a different person, but in terms of his situation, he was always the long shot. He was always like, and I used to always choose to school for cool. Right. As they say, the, the saying goes. Mm-hmm. And so, um, too and cool so he, en- well, yeah, it's, you, sometimes reverse it. Oh, oh, joke oh. on it. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> he's yeah, learning he, something. Yeah. And so he, uh, I think he ended up again, kind of back where he started just ha- having grown. And I think he smiled because, you know, that whole, you know, I forget how long the entire series takes. I know that this is over the course of, you know, a very limited time, but the series takes over the course of a few years. It's yeah, it's two years, I believe, from um, start to finish. And, you know, he had basically this crazy like two year experience where he got to be in charge or relatively speaking in charge of one of the biggest companies in the country, in the world. And then he got to leave. Uh, which is feels very Roman, feels very, you know, wayward, feels very nomadic. Um, and he had this experience and he was this close, even though he was on the outside when it started. He was this close. He was in the conversation. Um, had yeah. Logan, yeah. Had Logan not died, he may have gotten it because he was the only one talking to Logan at the end. Um, like, so quick question to that. Yeah. Do you think he ultimately wanted it? His brother said, you don't really want it. And do you I think he knows he doesn't want that? Deep yeah, down I think that. Yes, deep down, I think, obviously, I think you want it for all of the reasons everybody wants it. But it's different than, I would say, Shiv. I would say Shiv is also different. It's different the way Kendall wanted it. When I talk, I think Kendall wanted it. And not, I mean, he said it outright. This is my life. Yeah. Kendall wanted it. Roman and Shiv wanted it partly He's- because Kendall wanted it, honestly. <laughs> partly because it felt like the thing to do. It felt, again, like the way to get their father's approval finally was to take over. Um, but I don't, again, I don't know that Roman necessarily wanted it. Um, at least not at the very end. Um, after he broke down in episode nine, I think he realized that this is, you know, 
this is tough. It, I think he wanted out and that he brought, he's the one who broached that subject with the family. Like, what if we just sell? What if we don't fight over this? Let's sell it and get out and not worry about what Matson does, what anybody does. Um, and I think at the end, even at the end, he voted for Kendall. Um, and then at, they have at the, first a hesitant vote, but then he was just like, yeah, we do. I do want it. I do want it. Yeah. And so he said, you know, F it. He voted for Kendall. Um, and, you know, Kendall had been trying to like, bribe him like you get socials you get the and that i don't think any be of that the matters. head of social media yeah he did I, I don't think any of that mattered i think he was just like he whatever was such a dick ken in that wa- last yeah. scene ken wants it let's give it to ken and then but when shiv said no when they got to that room they ended up talking about the the waiter that kendall killed yeah she she did bring that up but one thing i should have brought up at the um i thought of this after we recorded shit mm-hmm Will his involvement in the murder? Well, if it was his, was his involvement of the waiter dying at the end of season one, will that be brought up? And she said it, and she did mention yeah. it at the end. And mm. and I guess it's also the question: Did Shiv truly was she truly going to stick to her voting pact that her and her brother made in the middle of this finale? Did she stick to it until she found out Tom was going to be the CEO if um the deal was blocked? Uh, well, first I'll say, I don't think it, you, we, it did get mentioned. I don't believe genuinely don't believe that's why she said, no, I don't believe she was like, remembered, Ken, you killed someone. You can't be CEO. I know she said those words, mm-hmm. but I don't, I mean, she got up and she left way before then she was hesitant way before then. But right. when Kendall lies about it, yeah, he's just says, like, no, 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 I didn't, no. Do, it. I I didn't, didn't do, it. do that. And he says like, and then that, that's, what's great about that scene. It just, it turned to the most simple childish behavior yeah. things like they're literally being delusional they're arguing like they're eight years old he literally kendall says i'm the oldest and he's she's literally says you're literally no, you're not, not the oldest yes but when he lies about and i think both of them knew it was a lie i know they asked a couple times like are you like you're saying you made it up like i don't believe anyone believed that he made it up um mm-hmm. I, but i think when they realized he was going to sit there and lie to them for their vote lie to them to be ceo that's when roman said no man and I think yeah. if Roman could have, he would have taken his vote back right there because I think that was when Roman realized he wanted out. And that's why I think Roman is the least sad. He's still sad, I think, but the least sad. He's the only one to sign those paper over. Well, someone had to sign it. And he was one of the CEOs <laughs> and Kendall wasn't going to do it. So, um, which is also interesting because, you know, doing the dad stuff, right? Uh, Roman couldn't do it. And Kendall had to step in. And then suddenly Kendall couldn't do it. Kendall couldn't do his obligation. He couldn't do his, his duty. Yeah. He goes to the elevator after the finding out. He, yeah. He dips. And so Roman goes in and Roman has to step in one last time as the last sort of CEO standing to sign away the company. Roman is the one who signs away the company. Kendall couldn't do it, even though, you know, the vote went through and all that. So I think that that's an interesting, very like a last minute sort of reflection on, you know, Roman took a lot of crap for, you know, not being able to go through with it, with his father, not being able, to you know do the speech and do all of that and then again when they needed to do something uh, essentially their father's last wishes if you really think about it uh roman is the one who did it not kendall um right because kendall really wasn't there we, we found that out kendall wasn't there for logan he wasn't trying to be ceo f- to succeed for his father he didn't care about i mean care about logan and that it's his father he didn't care about logan's legacy he cared about his uh, not that Roman cared much more, but Roman has always been the one who was most 
closely aligned with Logan. And so I thought it was interesting that it was, you know, Roman who ultimately gave uh, Mattson uh, control, which was technically what Logan had wanted <laughs> the whole yeah, time. Yeah, right. Uh, so I think that that's definitely a uh, an interesting subplot toward the, of that ending as well. And again, they all grew in their own ways, uh, but also they all, again, grew is the wrong word. They all resigned, which I think is interesting. They all resigned to their lot in life uh, at the end. And those lots look very different, um, but they all resigned, which I thought was a very good ending. Uh, it was a unique ending in that, again, there was no big flashy death or whatever, but we'll, we'll get it. We have a lot of other stuff to talk about, so we don't want to talk shit. For about sure. That. You know, talking about, um, I want to hit on Shiv a little more. Sure. Now, um, whether this is a narrative on the internet or what, but after Shiv makes her decision, people said, People ask this question, is Shiv the real villain of the show all along? And did she do the right thing for what she did? Tell me your thoughts, Ryan, on that statement. No, Shiv is not the villain. Um, it is Tom, I guess, if you're looking at like, mm-hmm. if you're looking at it from like a binary uh, structure of villain hero, which is hard yeah. to do given the character personalities. For sure. And especially in this fourth season, because yeah, thinking about it, um, Logan was the quote unquote villain the whole time. In and once way, he sure. left, and, and once he left, there was that that central who uh, who that was that compass to play that antagonizing role. I guess Madsen a little bit, and looking back, well, so, someone play that role, but yeah. I guess it's open to interpretation. So Shakespeare again, which I believe mm. is highly was uh, highly influenced influential to this King Lear, but Shakespeare more broadly because it's a tragedy. Uh, a classic tragedy in that sense. A lot of times when you get to Shakespeare, both King Lear, um, Macbeth, another another one, they have a foreign invader. A lot of times the final act involves an outside force pushing the people we'd seen in the first two acts um, into their final, basically their final positions, whatever that, obviously in Shakespeare, a lot of times they just die, but um, <laughs> there's a, a lot of times there's a foreign invader, uh, some sort of foreign force, like I said, you know, in, in Macbeth, it's Macduff and the the rebel army that's taking over in King mm-hmm. Lear. It's uh, Lear's um, estranged daughter with the King of France, I believe. Um, so there's always like this foreign force. And so I thought it was very interesting, by the way, that, you know, Matson. I, I, at first I was like, oh, Matson is Swedish because they didn't want to do the direct Elon Musk comparison. Uh, <laughs> that was genuinely what I thought. I was like, they want him to be foreign. They want him to be eccentric because he's again, clearly based on Elon Musk. But I think a lot of the reason that he's European and not, you know, South African or something else was because of the Shakespeare angle of, you know, an invading an invading kingdom coming into their kingdom but the foreign invader tapped with a traitor uh from logan's camp that's the main villain of this series of this season i should say um again very classic shakespeare and in the earlier acts earlier seasons it was the king it was our main character was the the overarching villain and you know his machinations and the people moving against him that was that, you know, that's the first few acts of this. And then the final act, we take all of the characters and we move them to their final positions as the foreign invader comes uh, and brings, you know, the end of the world, essentially, um, you know, figure- figuratively. So I do think this season, I guess the main villain is Tom. Um, but I there's a show. I mean, everyone knows the show uh, House of Cards. 
the Netflix one. But I'm not actually talking about the Netflix one. Um, there is a obviously it's based on a book and based on a British TV show, House yeah. of Cards. And I've I've watched the I've never read the books, but I've watched the British one, mm-hmm. and uh, they're very different. The British one feels. It's very different. The British one feels a lot like this, I will say. Uh, the very end, where Tom basically gets coronated, essentially, like it was very House of Cards UK, which I, I personally enjoyed. Um, there's like in the pomp, the circumstance, but also the finality of it. Like Tom walked into a room, shook some hands, and then, you know, fired two people. <laughs> That's what happened when he walked into the room. He said, Carl and, you know, Carl and Frank are gone. Jerry's staying. Greg is staying. Uh, and again, he did it with like so calmly. So it was it was just was very interesting. And the end of the House of Cards UK, I won't get into spoilers for that, although it's very old. So I could um, feels the same way. There's like this weird sort of like you're elevating right to this high point, but it feels just so rudimentary. And I really yeah, like the way that- one. Right. But also you're just a guy. Like I really liked the way that it went for, I really liked the feel of the ending uh, for Tom. Again, I think Tom did, uh, or the actor, Matthew McFadden did really, really well, despite frankly, this season being cut way back. And I mentioned that in the last, uh, the preview, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like they gave him so much less to do. And I think now we know why. And he (laughs) hit it in all the scenes he was in and yeah, yeah, but they didn't want to play it too hard. Right. If they, if they made him the central point of this entire you know season, people would have guessed it. And I don't think people I mean, people, some some people said it. Right. Because it was obviously an option. Um, but I don't think a lot of people were guessing that it would be Tom. I think right. a lot of people guessed like what I guess that it wouldn't be any of them. Um, and they even mentioned uh, and, at the beginning, they mentioned the Valter guy, which is who I said might do it. Yeah. Right. Uh, I was like, oh, crap. Am I completely right? Is it going to be Valter and Manson taking over? Um, so like. That yeah, was 10 I, minutes late when you texted me that. That yeah. was what you were referring to? That's yeah, what I was they upset. I didn't start specifically mentioned the Volter guy. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I, I predicted him specifically. Uh, like as one of the outside, you know, people we didn't pay any attention to. We right. could take it. Uh, they didn't go that way. But I think mm-hmm. that they, they hit Tom relatively well for, again, being that he was in the family, being that he had experience, like you had to consider. And we saw a little bit of the turns in the, and after the third season and when he admitted that he's not happy in this relationship and um, oh, yeah. him and Shiv, yeah. him and Shiv. And you, you, at, at that point in the series, you really felt for Tom because she was a terrible partner to him. And, you know, this is actually a good point to talk about mm-hmm. what I guess was the interview for Matson to pick Tom and, you know, despite Tom now being CEO, one of the reasons why he might not be happy is that Madsen knows that, yeah, I now could treat you like a puppet. And she, which was Shifts, literally said to Lucas, what, the episode before, I am your puppet. And now mm-hmm. her husband's the puppet. And then there's that big thing. He said, you know what? He pretty much said, I want to fuck your wife. Yeah. And he didn't resist whatsoever. He's like, okay, whatever you want, just make it to be me. And mm-hmm. now... Lucas is his boss, has that over him, and um, yeah, how he he might not truly be happy because he has that over him this whole time, and he said she'll probably want to fuck me too, and this is part of that broken corporate stage marriage, and I'm sure narratively they'll stay together for like ten years, and then then maybe forever, then they'll divorce, divorce or whatever. But what maybe maybe forever? I don't. Again, I mean. I don't know. I think that, that that's what Tom is most upset about, actually. Mm-hmm. Not that he has to be Manson's puppet. He's used to that. I think he's upset that 
when he when he got here, when he got to this point, if if he got to this point in the previous seasons, he floated it himself, of course, to Shiv. Like, what if it's me? Like season two, he talks about that with Shiv. Maybe even season one. Like they talk about it very early, and it's always played as like a, a joke because Shiv's like, no, if it's going to be either of us, it'll be me. But mm-hmm. um, when he floats it, he floats it to his wife. He envisioned like basically envisioned this being his complete bliss, right? He's going to have the family, the money, the title. Like he wanted this under such different circumstances because he had to basically ask his wife to do this. The, the, the Matson promised Shiv this job. Not really, but she thought he did. And frankly, Tom thought he did. Right. And, um, and he realized at that moment that, you know, he had to basically ask his wife, that his wife wasn't going to get the job, but he might. And he said, all right. And But, you know, Tom, for all of his faults, obviously didn't, you know, fell out of love with Shiv a bit. But he wanted, I think, to be happy and married. He wanted her to be wealthy and stuff. I think that he was just as much a gold digger as anyone else. But I did think I do think he had hoped they would be happy. And obviously they're not. And remember, also, they had that talk right before and basically it was a very important moment in this episode and Shiv asked him, do you want a real relationship? And he just says, I don't know. Right. Which again, I think is a fair thing to say, given their past. Frankly, he didn't know it's possible though. He was open to it. He just wasn't sure. Um, I also think it's important. The timing of that, he had not been offered this job. Mm-hmm. That was genuine. Shiv thought she was going to be the CEO and she wanted to bring Tom. You know what I mean? Like she was thinking Tom, the whole time. And maybe Tom was thinking Shiv the whole time too. I'm not actually even saying they're not, there isn't a genuine connection still potentially there. They're not going to explore it because the show is over, but it, they definitely left it open for that. But it's just so interesting that Shiv, when she thought she was going to be on top of the world, asked for Tom and Tom to his credit ended up on top of the world, so to speak. And he did bring shit uh so you know they, they have this weird relationship for sure but um i do think that tom again if there's a villain of this season i guess you would call it tom and matson um but i don't i don't even know if there was a villain i'll be honest with you um like i said in to what is it uh, to quote um, Macbeth again uh the villain's the hero Macbeth and Lady Macbeth are horrible people. Mm. When Macduff shows up with his army and cleared, clears them out, I mean, there's no guarantee it'll be better, of course, but it's not like people love the Macbeths. <laughs> uh, they were kind of shitty. Um, yeah, so, right. Like, you know, Tom is the villain in that he beat, you know, Tom and Matson are the villain in that they invaded Waystar and took out the Roys, but it's not like the Roys were good people. It's not like we they, the everything was better with the Roys, you know what I mean? So right. uh, it's hard to say that they're a villain just for doing that, but they are the adversary of our main character. So I guess in that respect, by that definition, those two are the villain. Did you see that TikToker who successfully predicted? Based that, on the Wams games thing? Yeah, the, on yeah, his last so, name, they're the only person to ever perform a triple, unassisted triple, triple play. And I guess you got it. I don't know if the... um writers have confirmed if that's true or not or if they ever will but man she was spot on on that one that, that was a very out there last un, name do we call it unassisted well essentially no you need you well you needed greg's help and he needed greg to uh yeah to push all the things together so i guess essentially not but 
I don't know. And I guess we'll we'll see how far in advance did the writers have thought about this. And um, also, Shiv, I guess her name really means knife in a, some yeah. other language. Oh, Shiv is like a... So like, I mean, I'm sure maybe it's another language too, but in like right. a prison yard, if you sharpen something mm-hmm. to use as a, a knife, even though it's not a knife. So basically a knife that's not a knife, something you've sharpened to make a knife is often called a shiv. Right. Uh, yeah, against oh, a backstabbing. Okay. So backstabber shiv. She ended up backstabbing Kendall. Um, which so, doesn't mean anything. But <laughs> And also just reading the things I have, I guess um, the they didn't know what – just think, I wonder if because Romulus is a very unique name too. Because Roman's name is Romulus. Uh, I actually didn't know that this whole time. That's oh, funny. that's one of the funniest lines of like the first season when he's they're vote, trying to vote the, um, Logan oh. the very first time. And he lays a hand. has been a while since I saw sniffing your season. armpit, Romulus. <laughs> he just puts his hand down. Uh, um, so I guess they didn't know until the actual table read of the uh, last episode that this was going to be the series finale. <laughs> So again, I'm sure, especially with this as the uh, once the news cycle starts up again tomorrow after the holiday week, and we'll see them comment how far in advance. But you gotta keep credit to her; she she hit that right on the nose. And um, absolutely. Also, with uh, I sent you this tweet from J at J six nine four zero four zero four nine. Tom Wobbskin after avoiding prison, flipping the power dynamic in his marriage with Shiv. Being the Matsons, being in Matson's good graces, defeating Kendall to run Raystar Royco, and still managing to keep Greg subversant to him, my man won in every way possible. Hmm. Yeah, again, he definitely won. Uh, that I mean, there's no way to put it, but did he? Like mm-hmm. I said, he didn't look happy, did he? Uh, no, the no, happiest, definitely not. And the um, happiest he looked, the two moments where he looked like he might have been happy, one of them was clearly fake, and that's when he walked into the room for the pictures and you know brought the bubbly and all that stuff out. And the other one was when he was telling Greg that you effed it. That was so genuinely when, when Greg, the happiest. Greg and yeah, and this was right before together, he told Greg I got you. right after the interview, and then Greg puts his uh, translator app in Swedish. Oh no no no! At the end of the very end of the episode, when oh yeah, wait, talking, sorry, sorry, yeah. you're talking about, yeah. and he puts the the sticker um, on his head, the sticker from the, on uh, him, collection. Yeah. Now um, talking about that scene and also that fight in the bathroom, I I've seen a oh, lot of fights. T- so that's so going back to the actual sticker scene. Yeah, we're we're, okay. we're we're talking about here, which I love that fight. It was just so. If these two actually fought, this is what would happen. Yeah. Um, where's I going with this? So we have. That moment there with the Greg and Tom dynamic, mm-hmm. did you think he was really going to let him out to drive? But just how Matthew McFadden delivered that line, he said, "You know, you're going to get a pay cut, but um, I got you." Yeah, um, and I don't even know how big the pay cut will be actually, but uh, because I think kind of crazy, two hundred thousand dollars as a, for an assistant. assistant. Yeah. Oh, uh, but I think, God. in fairness, I think that I mean he said that, and maybe it's true, maybe it's not. We'll never know. But I think, I mean, he likes being in charge of Greg. He likes having Greg to lord around, so he will keep Greg to do that. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen with Greg because uh, again, right at the end when they're talking about what's going to happen, he goes, "Jerry's going to stay, obviously. Carl and Frank are gone, and then he goes, "What about me?" Essentially, and he goes, "You, you effed it." You and that's when he was happy. And you effed it, and that was when he almost—that was the happiest he looked, genuinely, when he was telling this guy who he'd basically been, you know 
controlling for two years now that you screwed up because you went against me. Um, but I still got you. Like when he had owned, basically when he owned Greg, he was like, that was the happiest moment of his entire coronation to CEO. But um, to go back to the actual bathroom scene and then to the actual, like going to Logan's apartment and picking things they want to keep. Um, I thought that scene was really good. Um, obviously the bathroom fight was good, but uh, I think that, you know, watching the home video, having the kids mm-hmm. watch it, th- this was such an upbeat episode for so long. Yeah. You thought, you thought at one point like, we're going to get a wholesome ending. I, I, yeah. They almost had me with the wholesome ending, especially at this point after everything else working out. And we saw that video of Logan happy, legitimately happy with his friends and all that. Um, yeah. But one thing I didn't like was they're talking about the whole situation with, um, the president-elect and they basically brought up like yeah the wisconsin supreme court is not necessarily certifying the election they eventually mm-hmm. said essentially they said that they said right and they're gonna so, recount it so but yeah so Mankin might lose and therefore he won't be the ambassador of slovenia he'll be nothing and he won't <laughs> move to slovenia he will live in the apartment with willa who was going to stay in the apartment originally as a playwright well and they played that a bit for like laughs and a bit for like well, willa was clearly going to go cheat on connor multiple um, times <laughs> right because they were living apart they're doing a long distance thing and i i thought they did a lot of work at the beginning of this season making that relationship look whole in a way that i thought was compelling and they funny you say un- that i have a i have, a, I have words on yeah. that too you're saying and they kind of undid that for a cheap joke in a scene that didn't need it. uh like willa didn't need to say anything and i get that again connor is the comic relief and so they wanted to throw one last joke in there but like i thought they did a lot to almost again differentiate connor from the rest of the roys and that yeah he's got this weird life and he's got this weird like semi-prostitute wife, but they got to have each other's back that, you know, they mm-hmm. like me around. And throughout the series, they've kind of built that up. And then again, at his wedding, Willa's, you know, there's still a little bit with her parents. Like, you know, he's really rich. You could see that, you know, the money was still important, but she kind of, again, she kind of had him. Like legitimately and liked him or like had not him legitimately the like, hand. No, not like legitimately liked him necessarily, but like she, she had his back as yeah. his partner um if, if not love something adjacent to it it felt like to me anyway maybe that wasn't what they were going for and i read too much into it as a hopeless you know hope not hopeless i'm married but as a romantic yeah. someone who someone who's into hopeless romantic uh, romanticism um, yeah so maybe that was that that's just on me and i just read it wrong but i felt like they've really done a nice job of that relationship and then they kind of again it wasn't irreparable damage it wasn't you know it was a throwaway joke before throwaway joke they kind of like oh she's still cheating on connor yeah. uh like it just felt You're weird when this long distance you know that's one yeah. thing you talk about too right obviously in this it was with their relationship it's a perfect example of, of connor's her sugar daddy absolutely in this yeah. world and one of my i hope if i'll make it myself if not um i'll make it myself if not then hearing the story like learning about like those type of uh, what's the official term the um mutually beneficial relationships sugar sure, right. daddies people who are you know why we see an 85 year old dating a 28 year old because he's extremely rich hmm. and i've never seen anyone like tackle that subject and like actually interviewing these people like you actually love this person or do you love them back and i thought in this even though albeit a fictional take on it maybe yeah. you were like you were saying like Maybe there are people who actually 
genuinely have feelings and love for each other. They just so happen to have the money. And as well, you yeah, say not just here, so happen. I think the money was the inciting and, you know, Oh yeah. The right. money's the reason they're together. Yeah, they, and sure. That's a joke too. But they're like, they really grew like a, a fondness for each other. Um, right. In addition to the money being, of course, being the main benefit, I, th- I thought, but they kind of played that, that maybe that wasn't the case. And I thought that was weird that they did that. Right. And, um, I guess they were about to show like maybe this does work here, but then that could be your joke again. And why we have to have this documentary or book about these hmm. kind of relationships. Yep. Yeah, she was just gold digging this whole time. Could be right. It's so I thought that was a weird, a weird Poor joke Connor. to make. Poor right. Connor, and I, I mean, I guess all of the Roy's, uh, all the Roy's had to fall. Right. And he's a Roy, but, mm-hmm. um, I thought I did. I thought the same thing that Shiv did. But Kendall said, "I'm the oldest." Mike Connor was in two scenes ago. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> uh, and Connor, well, Connor brought that up last season. I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest. I need to be taken care of. I'm the oldest. Um, yeah. but uh, I do think that that scene, minus the the one joke, which it was fine. It wasn't that big a deal. I thought that was interesting. Again, watching them all see their dad. It's like a final goodbye to Logan. And I wonder what how that played into her meeting Shiv's final decision. Uh, I wonder and also if that seen... also showed they did have, despite everything, wholesome family moments. Even the well, most they, dysfunctional they were fucked there. up families. I'm saying they weren't even there. It was it was just Connor, Logan, and Logan's employees. It was just yeah. like their bosses. And I wonder if she meaning Shiv saw that because uh, I I like to believe that Shiv also wanted out. I know she's with Tom and people are like she's not really out. She is out. I'm, I'm telling you, they could not have made it any more clear. Shiv is not in charge. <laughs> she's got Tom yeah. in charge of her, who's got Masson in charge of him. Shiv has absolutely no say in anything that's going to happen. She again, they continue to be the acceptable face of Waystar Royco because she's the Roy. So she's got the last name. She's the expecting mother. She's got the right politics. So she'll probably be like, again, the, the mainstream face for her husband and Manson's operation. Right. But that's it. She's a mascot. Um, and it's, it's caused Waystar. definitely the most debate I've seen so far about Shiv yeah. and her choices there. And also yeah. one, I wonder if this made her decision too. If you remember before the vote, when Kendall was literally in Logan's chair, that's going to be your desk for a second. They thought, okay, this is what I'm going to see. Or, and ultimately did she feel that he is a fuck up and, um, he, she knows deep down, even despite all the family love, the all unconditioned love, which clearly is all BS with the Roy's, um, (laughs) that, yeah, she he's not the right one, or was it? So yeah, decision? I'm of two minds. I, again, I think there's. A, we're gonna have a lot of deep YouTube videos made by creators forever on. Oh this. sure, uh, I I do wonder. Uh, yeah, it could be that she saw that he wasn't right for it. Um, I, obviously, I think she didn't necessarily think he was right for it, but I, I'm kind of of two minds. I think their option one is that she didn't want any of them to have it. I I don't think she wanted any of them to have it. It's either because a, if it, it was, if I can't have it, no one can, which would be very infantile, but you know, we've watched them for four seasons now. That's totally not out of the possibility. Right. Or because again, and they saw that clip. I mean, Logan had dinner with his C-suite, his COO, his CFO and Jerry, his general, his, you know, head general counsel. That was who he was at his family dinner with. And, and Connor, Connor was there too. Um, 
he Logan lost everything too on the way out. He had barely gotten Roman back. Kendall and Shiv were long gone. Um, he had Greg and Tom, but they were just doing it because they thought that with the actual kids gone, they had a shot at, you know, something real. Um, right. Logan lost everything on his way out too. And I wonder if watching that, you know, all of them felt something and Shiv in particular felt like, what is this that we're fighting for? I, I almost feel like at the end, for me anyway, and again, I think I'm reading into this. I don't think that this is 100% the way they wanted it portrayed, but I think they gave us a little little hints that you could take it this way. Is This felt like a kingdom of sand to me at the end. And I think that- the, What do you mean everyone, by that? Uh, you know, like, you know, a kingdom of sand. So like it, it crumbles in your hands. It's yeah. it, it, like, I know that Roman said we're bullshit. And I think he meant that to mean like, you know, kind of the Nepo baby thing, like that we grew up in a fantasy. Uh, but I think that the whole Waystar was meant to at least a little bit look like a kingdom of sand to look like bullshit. And I think I, I th- I'm taking it that everyone but Kendall at the end, Kendall saw it last. Uh, I'm taking it as Roman saw it first, Shiv next, basically in order of who people thought could be in charge. Roman was the dark horse. He was always the dark horse. So he was the first one to realize this is all bullshit. Shiv was, you know, the next most likely, but she was never dad's favorite to take over. And so she's the next one to learn it was all bullshit. Kendall needed to lose it to realize at the very end that I'm bullshit. This is bullshit. This means nothing. In the, you know what I mean? Like this is all like, you know, this power that we've accumulated through this company, it, it's all make-believe. This is, it's nothing. Logan was mm-hmm. the power at, at Royce, uh, at um, um, Waystar Royco. And Matson will be the power of the new company. Like Matson is powerful in the same way Logan is. Uh, he's wealthy, enigmatic, ruthless, you know, the whole nine yards. But- um, A killer, if you will. Yeah, killer. And so I think that- um, I wonder if that that last clip of of Logan alone singing with his basically his employees as as a, you know a moment of merriment obviously gave some levity gave the kids some fondness kind of view of their father whom they had been trying to take out for years but also kind of jogged them all to this conclusion at some point they all got there later than others that he wasn't happy he the world didn't revolve around like you know what I mean like his kingdom yeah, it's was like, it's like have you seen godfather 2 by any chance i have yes in the final scene there where we have our al pacino michael Corley, mm-hmm. corleone is sitting is it originally with family at the table despite all the messed up things he'd done and literally killed siblings and stuff and then he's alone at the table once again yeah and have that screenshot there maybe that's really it does support your theory on that one too yeah, I, something I noticed, again, I don't know if that's exactly what they wanted because that does lower the stakes a little bit. And I don't think the stakes were meant to be lowered very much. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's some of that, of you know, the melancholy. Yes, it was a sweet, tender moment of happiness they never got to see from their dad. But it also really they weren't there at the end and it displayed that on full display that this company destroyed their family, <laughs> whether they like it or not. This company ruined the Roy's. Can I say one thing, essentially the last happy moment of the show, and I see a lot of people say this is where it should have ended, where (laughs) we do see the voting pact that lasted only a few hours get made by the Roy's, the Roy kids, and we see them having, you're going to 
drink your, you know, oh, drink feast everything. Feast fit for a king. Feast, feast fit, fit for, for a king. king. And they put just yeah. everything possible in there. And they make fun of the stepdad licking his expensive cheese, cheese and yeah. stuff. Did you did you get anything from that moment? Did you also feel like, wow, this is a happy moment and this is how it's going to end? Even though there was like a solid half an hour still left, this is going to go wrong. And you don't um, definitely when you're lost in the moment. <laughs> and, it, and like this is why if you're watching it in a theater, there's no time limit. Oh, well, maybe this is going to be a happy ending after all. And despite it literally not making any sense, and I might give up my values for it, but I'm just a sucker for a happy ending. It was that was the Netflix ending right there. Um, yeah. Or like the CW or whatever. Like, yeah, that was the happy ending. I will say that's not the moment that got me. I, I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, well, this is the Netflix moment. This is where it would end if it was, you know, meant for a different audience. But right after that scene, when they all get off the plane, and this was really well done by the, the direct, you know, creative team too. Uh, when they arrive at the house in Barbados, doesn't it, just one yeah. second? Can you just repeat that one more time, Ryan? All time, he's. Can you just repeat that one more time. You went in and out, so yeah, it looks sure. like we're uh, having you back in so, Barbados. You know yeah, are we good? Yep, yep, in Barbados. Okay. Um, in Barbados, yep. Uh, he's wearing shorts. He's wearing a T-shirt the whole time, right? And then right after that scene, right after they say, Kendall, you're in charge. They give it to him, they give him the feast, they dump it on his head. They all get off the plane, and they show Roman Lass, and he's back in the power suit, right? He's back in the, the, the vest, and the type of thing he wore all season when he was the CEO. And, and you know, now you see all three Roy's at their peak power, right? They're all dressed to, you know, dressed to kill. They're all dressed to take over the company. And that was the moment that got me. I, at that point, I was like, maybe they're going to find a way to do this. Uh, maybe Ken is actually going to take it. I, again, I was still super skeptical, but when I saw that, I was like, they got the team back together at full power. I was like, maybe, just maybe, this will be the first and only time the Roys work together. <laughs> that That's why you got four whole seasons out of it, because from the start, if they worked together... Yeah, this would have literally never happened, but we needed four seasons of TV. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking about, I want to hit on Kendall, like one major conversation with him one more time with Kendall. Mm -hmm. And we saw at the very beginning, his first shot with those headphones, eyes open. Mm -hmm. um, that, okay, this is the moment we want Kendall. You know, I, it's hard to say Kendall was an anti-hero. I mean, he wasn't <clears> the <throat> definition of the world. You know, you're cheering, cheering for somebody who does bad things ultimately. Right. And yeah, I guess it's just what the, some of the eerie things that didn't make any sense. And then when it came down to the end and him first, like ripping Roman's Roman's um, him ripping face. Roman's face and his yeah. stitches, that was definitely an uncomfortable scene. It's so simple. And then. We see, you know, how much this is all he wants. He doesn't have anything in his life anymore, but this is the one of his company. He, I guess maybe he has Stewie, but probably no Stewie. He probably is like, yeah. Yeah, loser. Yeah, um, exactly. He's where the money is. Stewie's, Stewie's a money guy. Team Kendall. Um, yeah, when he thought Kendall had the he, votes. <laughs> he was very confident with that one. I like Stewie a lot. I think he'll be a good actor, like, yeah. post-succession career. Um, anyways, so, and then we see hit, the moment... That I, even though I wanted it like a Walter White and Tony Soprano character, like I want these guys to succeed, even though I know they're terrible people. But 
Kendall was just so unprofessional towards the end. And, you know, he's literally screaming and swearing down the hall, not putting having his composure whatsoever. And, he, watched um, it. he was falling away. He knew it was gone. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I didn't really feel bad about it. I don't, I don't feel bad for him anymore. It never did. And despite, and I, and I really did think the guy had some morals and I'm sure I'll rewatch it. You know, when I see a show, I usually just put random episodes when I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Um, like there were times I really fell for Kendall. And after seeing just how bad he was to his siblings at the end, and I get it, you know, we have siblings, sibling rivalry is definitely a thing, but there he was just really, really nasty. And then he was um, fighting for his life from his right. perspective to give the alternate perspective to again. He said out loud to his siblings, he was vulnerable enough to admit it. Like, this is me. This is my everything. I'm not made for anything else. I meant to do this or bust. And they were still saying, no, I, I, again, you can make the case that in Kendall's mind, he was literally fighting for his life because he doesn't believe he's made for anything else. And now here's the big question too. It made him snap. And we texted a little bit on it, but I want to explain it obviously yeah, yeah. at this moment. So you have kind of talk about I am the oldest. And <laughs> something is mentioned that, well, if Shiv goes in, and maybe this helped her with her decision that you will not have the official bloodline. She is at least fully bloodline. And Roman mentions his kids and basically implying and I looked at all through the show. Was this mentioned again? This was never mentioned about his kids, even though they blatantly didn't look like him. But they look like his. They look like his. Ex-wife. Yeah, true, true. But it's it basically comes out that the two kids aren't his; that they are adopted or via surrogate, which yeah, is also uh, a very another rich thing. Dude, these rich rich people usually just well, get surrogate mothers. And so stuff. not surrogate. So he said in, 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 in Vipro, what, what's the, well, no. So, I mean, what I, heard, yeah, I'll let you, I'll, I'll, I'll let you say that. Uh, first, I think it's important that Roman was not necessarily saying this. He said that Logan said this, which made it hurt. He called, more. called him r- randos. Yeah. He said that Logan had been saying these things. So, you know, his father had been saying these things about his children. Um, and one was adopted. And I heard that, you know, one's from like Malaysia or whatever they said. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other, she said, the other one's from Rava in the file guy, right? That sounded to me like infidelity. Right. Rava got pregnant, sleeping with some random guy who worked at the company. Um, and, and that's when, frankly, that's when Kendall attacked Roman. Um, that was the hardest head squeeze I've ever seen. He was trying to rip his dishes open. Um, but And even Shiv was like, Roman, no. Um, so, yeah, it's weird that they never mentioned the adopted thing before. But it is a very, again, rich person thing to do. But the other one mm-hmm. that, that the I believe the son is not, is Rava's, but not Ken's. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that that necessarily... To me, that doesn't necessarily confirm that. Now, a lot of people will take it as gospel because it's in the last scene of a TV show that's going exactly, off the right? air. But <laughs> I will say, you know, like, like there are families, there are families that are mixed or have, you know, like members of it that don't have a, you know, follow the traditional like cis normative right. uh, lifestyle, right? And a legitimate just, bloodline, not a WWE well, one. No, yeah, but there's there's families that have a traditional you know relationships and a traditional connections within them, and a lot of like old school folks just kind of don't get it. 
and I, I'm not going to get into any specifics, but I, mm-hmm. we could, if you, if you and I offline want to talk about, it. I'm not going to blow up anyone's spot, but um, like there, I could just say from like being around and talking to people that there's just kind of this old school kind of mentality. And so yeah. I, I could totally I know see a world where, Ken had a son with Rava, totally normal, like for a married couple to do. And it, it, the son came out looking more like Rava than Ken. <laughs> and the racist old man who runs, you know, ATN <laughs> didn't love the fact that the kid didn't look white. Uh, yeah. I could very easily see that being, oh, and yeah. I could very easily hear, you know, that that person in my mind's eye saying like clearly she slept around with somebody else clearly she slept with the janitor or she clearly slept with you know a friend or the personal trainer or you know whatever the girl a guy at the grocery store like i could see the old old timer making jump you know saying that whether they even believe it or not is irrelevant uh but maybe believe it um i think based because roman said it i think there had to be some you know validity to logan's belief in that at least but i don't that necessarily was a know. legit shocker yeah i don't know if that necessarily proves that to be true but it does prove that you know logan was like you know ken was like he promised it to me at seven yeah he, he never really always he never me, felt always me you know he always kept saying you know logan wanted me that shows that logan behind ken's back said all kinds of nasty shit if nothing else even if that's totally untrue it shows that logan didn't care if it was ken he didn't necessarily like ken uh he loved ken as he loves all of his kids in a very strange roy way but uh he didn't necessarily like ken or have nice things to say about ken or see ken as a worthy successor if he was saying those things whether he believed them or not so i think that that was more to me that was more what i got from that is that logan didn't care that it was ken he yes he did he underline did he cross out none of that matters but he could have underlined ken's name he didn't care if it was ken he needed to put a name on a piece of paper because that was required by law and so that's what he did and i think that that was proof of that to me more so than proof of infidelity or you know whatever it was proof of like logan didn't care about kendall at all Mm -hmm. beyond how he cared about all this kids which was like bare minimum sort of like base instinct (laughs) you know what i mean right uh and like he didn't need he didn't believe ken needed to be the one he didn't believe any of them needed to be the one but ken lived his whole life thinking his father deep down you told me when i was seven years old yeah which which is also crazy right but um he's unhinged you know the the big question and you theory you put out there and that has been discussed about would Kendall take his own life in the show? And um there was the two instances where you thought that could happen. When he was going in the elevator, I thought you saw he was going down. Thought for a second, mm-hmm. if he went up, then he just shoot. Yeah. Well, no, and, go go out in that kind of glory. And so I've um, rewatched sorry, I just I've rewatched a lot of the series with Melissa. Mm-hmm. Um again, I'm watching current by myself and back with Melissa. Yeah. And there's there is a moment uh in the shooting episode season two, I think, or three. What season two? Season two with the lockdown when there's yeah. the shooter, the guy the guy who kills himself at ATN. Mm-hmm. Um and he's on the roof the whole time. And he's just looking down. And it's very heavily implied that a massively depressed Kendall is essentially just, you know, someone just killed themselves downstairs mm-hmm. and he's basically just thinking about it um and then there's a little bit later in season three a little early in season three i believe um maybe season two still actually uh, no season three where he you know gets drunk passes out in the pool and almost dies 
Right. Um, so Kendall, to be clear, it wasn't just thrown out and then Kendall dies. Oh, like, yeah. No, 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 no. I was just saying, just saying. Kendall has had some suicidal tendencies throughout the series. For sure. And, so, and then the very last scene, he goes to the water. At the scene, I thought he would go. Like, Which is the other thing scene. he almost died. At, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, water has to- been a theme with him. He's been around water a lot to close his, his episodes. Yeah. Water is a symbol for sure. And then I just saw that guy in the coat. I thought, is he going to, you know, Take that was that like was that. his driver. That was that right. was Logan's driver and his driver. I don't think he would yeah. But, Which um, would be dark, but I think I like the ambiguous I, I'm let me say I'm happy that he didn't do that. I am and too. and I am too. I know be really too, depressing. Yeah. Um and you, you know, he is gonna get billions of dollars. Does it doesn't Kendall seem like the type he could just make his own company? Why, why don't you buy a sports team? Like literally, well, that would be. A I think he's do. saying. I think, but he admitted that he can't. He can't do that profitably. He can't make his own company profitably. He's because you know, of him personally. Like he wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, he's not ready. Oh, he can sucks. do. He can do Waystar. He knows. That's Waystar. the one thing. Probably the easiest investment you could do with a sports team. You literally just have to hire the right people, or just pe- listen to people to tell you to hire the right people. And, but. and he may very well do that. By the way, I'm not saying again. We'll never know. But yeah, what right. I'm saying is this moment will be like the moment. You know, this moment that we're leaving him in is him acknowledging that he'll never build anything like he could have had. He's not equipped for it. He's not skilled enough. He can't do what Logan did, you know, in his speech. And that those be- eulogies, those eulogies said a lot, in my opinion, um, about this episode. And, you know, he said, I hope I have it in me, meaning his father. And we saw he embodied the worst traits of his father in this episode. But at the end of the day, he realized he doesn't. That, that People were force. saying that he he made that turn towards the end of the penultimate episode. Well, yeah, that was yeah, but he realized I think he didn't have that force of nature <laughs> that Logan had at the very end, and that's why he was sitting in the com. I also think Shiv pointed out, and I saw this on Reddit too, and I was really glad someone called it out there. Um, you know, her speech was he couldn't fit, meaning Logan couldn't fit a whole woman in his head, and I mean, I think that had a lot of meaning in that episode because that was very the women of Roy centric you know that ending of that episode but I do think that also people looking for why Shiv did it are kind of doing the same thing Logan would have done (laughs) it wasn't I don't believe again I don't believe it was just one thing I think she was jealous because she felt she deserved it I think she was scared for what this company had done to her family after seeing that tape of Logan and seeing the way uh, Kendall flew off the edges the way Roman was basically cowering when he walked into that building. Uh, so I think there was fear too. I think that there was um, like, again, there's so many different little reasons why she did it. Uh, it wasn't just revenge. It wasn't just to save Kendall from himself. It wasn't just for, to give Tom the leg up. It was everything and nothing all at the same time. You know, she's a full, she's a whole woman. She has her own, like, you know, in a split second decision she had to make. Um, And I think that that's an important thing to to recognize for all these characters, not just her. You know, they're not archetypes. They're not Shakespeare. That's what makes us different than Shakespeare. Shakespeare, everybody's an archetype. Everyone plays a very simple, easy to grasp character. You know, none of these people are simple. None of them are in our all, all whole. They're not all whole women because some are men, but they're all whole people. Um, they're, they're they're both good and bad. They have the capacity for hate and the capacity for you know love and affection. And I think that you know all of those things were probably going through Shiv's head when she voted no. 
a hate for the company, a hate for Kendall, a love for her company, a love for her family, a fear, you know, like there's probably so many different things that ran into her head and she just had to go with, you know, what came out. I wonder if Shiv's based on, again, this is, I've heard this in a pocket, so I did no, no research on this at all, but I guess <laughs> there's a Murdoch who is one of his daughters who just is against everything he does is against Fox news and all of that. And, I just wonder if she's based off of him. Again, I have no research. I have no, no I don't know. Perhaps but. in some capacity. The other two, the Roman and Kendall, are at least loosely based off of the two Murdochs that are in charge. Yeah. And um, <laughs> for two kids, like Leland and whatever. I don't know their names, but there's two of them. There's Co. There's two boys that are kind of in charge. I see. I see. Um, yeah. And we, we hit everything we need with Roman. Pretty much that he's yeah. just will be that playboy. Cousin Greg, again, just living off pretty much, I think, everybody's favorite character. Um, again, on a brand scale because he's just yeah, a yeah, yeah. happy go lucky guy. Um, I, I don't know about happy go lucky, but, but you know, he's just he's just he's just a funny, he's funny, know. yes, he's funny. Um, <laughs> pretty much there with the other execs that, well, I guess they just wanted to get rich too. So extremely rich guy who looks like Aaron Sorkin, especially so funny. Um, Carl, the CFO. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say there? So at the end of this show and how this all ends up becoming something. And, you know, one thing that is mentioned, he, this show has so many options to be legitimate spitoffs, not like the Game of Thrones when they want to try to throw down our throats. Um, <laughs> well, House of Dragons is very good. True, but do we need House of Dragon? We don't need anything, but House of Dragons is <laughs> Fair very enough. Good. I don't but, think House of Dragons, but the other one, the, like the Adventures one that they want to do, <laughs> I don't think we need that. But, um, yeah, so we have Succession... There's so many options you could do for succession spinoffs, but Jesse Armstrong, at least for now, what we've learned, everyone has a price. No spinoffs, no continuations. And I th- and the head of HBO actually said, we're never going to do any more reboots on our show, despite, um, I guess she said, she said the word reboot, so um, not a continuation, so I guess semantic-wise. But well, anyways, but the thing is, Jesse yeah, Armstrong, but, though, said, yeah. no, we're done after this. But you were saying? I think that this, I mean, again, to give it more Shakespeare parallels, I think if they want to make any further media out of this, I think it needs to be a stage production. And you can't do the whole deal. I get you can't do the whole deal. But you can condense some of the main events and bring them closer to the end. Yeah, you can do that within this two-year period. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't follow the whole thing, but I think you can take some of the main events from the first three seasons and condense them into a two act structure, and you can take this fourth season and make it a third act, almost untouched, frankly. And I think you can have a real. I think this would do very well on a stage, and I think part of that is because everybody in this is a stage actor. Like everybody yeah, in this, true, all, is all a, New York stage actors. It's all yeah, and, all and New York Brit- stage or British European stage ones. actors. Yeah, and so like I think that that would be an incredible thing that they if they really wanted to make more media, I don't know if they need to. Um, and then you can have you have the ability after if you make it a stage show, you can do 
these excellent casts of these legendary actors taking their turn. Like Logan Roy can be King Lear. Logan uh, Roy is a prequel spe- series. Better call. Well, no, Logan. not like not a prequel. I'm saying like you have to like, be better when call. When you do Greg, Shakespeare, though. yeah. When you do Shakespeare, though, like you have like uh, Othello, right? Is a very iconic Shakespeare character, or um, the uh, the play about Caesar, <laughs> like Caesar. You know, you have all these like big names playing Caesar or Othello. I think you could see an eventuality if they wanted to do this, where big names in West End or in in, uh, Broadway would want to take their turn as Logan Roy. Like a Logan Roy, they could even me, do just table reads themselves. Yeah, like yeah. it feels like he feels like if they could condense it into a full product that isn't four seasons long of television, then I I could see like Logan being one of those characters that enters into like the public conscious. All of them, of course, they're all great characters, but Logan Starring in particular. Ted DiBiase is Logan Roy. Yeah, <laughs> no, hopefully a good actor. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, again, like same with like Death of a Salesman. Like when an actor plays Willie Loman on Broadway, that means something. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Uh, or right you know, when, Ar- when Aaron Sorkin did To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway. Yeah. You know, and he, they, when, they, when they did that, it meant something. I think that when people play Logan Roy, it will, could mean something the way playing Atticus Finch does or playing Othello or Caesar or King Lear does. And so if they really wanted to continue, and I don't think they need to, I mean, they could just leave it as is. I think that would be the best way to go about it. It's trying to make it into one product that can be done over and over again with different casts. Um, so other very talented actors have a chance to play uh in this kind in this world and in these roles it'd be a lot of fun you want to know one role i see now matthew mcfadden faden i believe is how you mcfadden fellow man wrong, but yeah um this is what you have to do with matthew mcfadden they're about to redo a new era of james bond films gonna hire a new james bond he should play one of the villains of bond that's all i'm gonna say there I think he'd be uh, a great yeah. Bond villain. Yeah. He doesn't sure. have to be Bond. Yeah. But I think they're going with um the guy from Kick Ass, as I mentioned to you. Um Is he British? One second. Everybody, I know you wanted to hear who the next James Bond is from this podcast. It's going Aaron Tyler, what's his name? Yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson is the Taylor. favorite, and he is British oh, at okay. thirty two years old. Didn't know he was British, so um and he's also Maxoff in Age of Ultron. Yeah, yeah, he's in he's in the the Marvel franchise. They killed his character off, though. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, so, <laughs> anyways, how about Sam Taylor Johnson versus Matthew McFadden? The next <laughs> Bond era, twenty twenty six. I think that'd be cool. Now, last question here before we sign off, Ryan. Yep. How do you rank this show? Are you with these people? Recency bias aside, if you can make that, but this succession is one of the greatest television shows of all time. Which any which the best show, which HBO's best show of the year always gets that distinction. But yeah. does succession really earn that? Well, I mean, like you said, HBO gets that distinction every year from fans when it ends one of its premium series. <laughs> and there's a reason for it. Like I said, I can name off the top of my head, a bunch of HBO shows that are could be the greatest of all time. Even Game of Thrones is in that conversation, despite mm-hmm. the backlash to the ending, um, which I think I'll be curious to see what that backlash looks like in five years. It wasn't a good ending, but I don't know if it was, you know, I don't know if it was exactly what people made it out to be um, that final season. This is better than that, though, uh, to be clear. Um, oh, yeah. 
I don't know. Like I've watched a lot of these like premium shows again from HBO and other places, but mostly HBO and they all have their different, you know, claims. They all have their ups and their downs. This one to me felt like it had the least amount of downs. Uh, yeah. I can't really name too much that I didn't like about this show. I will say, I think that, you know, obviously a lot of people are into it. I, I mentioned on the preview that a lot of people just got into it, which is interesting to me, uh, probably because it was ending. Um, oh, yeah. This show, this is a show about talking about. Yes, very, very pure so acting, I, which is great. But I could see that being a very difficult sell for some audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like spitballing the Sopranos. Yeah, they do a lot of talking about doing stuff, a lot of great acting. The loss of whack a guy. Like, yeah, you know, there is there's like, there are guns being shot. Right. There, there's some sort of drama. And like action. there's like more like, you know, more sex scenes. I'm not saying that yeah. anything. it's like it's just like um, obviously the sex scenes don't make a show. But, you know, it has all types of actions of the human condition right, yeah. in the, in the mafia. So, yeah. And so I think because like, another one, another HBO show I really like is Six Feet Under. Mm-hmm. which also has very little action. Yeah. A lot of talking. Now they have a lot of, they jump like fantasy and stuff, which I think gives it more of an, of an action. You feel sometimes, but um, again, that show for as good as it is, it, it ended better than almost all of like, yeah, it's, it, 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 the it's regarded as one of the best yeah. finales in their own right. It just gets kind of ignored because it doesn't, I think it doesn't have that wider appeal. Like other folks are not going to pick it up now. There's the lots wire. Of talking. The wire is another one. There's a lot to do, lots to see in the wire. The the setting is interesting. The, obviously, the acting is good. The characters at work is good. But there's also action. And there's things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that genuinely, if you were trying to be like, what's the best show? Everyone can agree what's the best show, which will never happen. It would be a show that has more of that, right. uh, which doesn't make it good or bad. Uh, like I said, my favorite HBO series still is six feet under, um, which does not have a lot of action. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not one of the people that I'm talking about, but if you're looking at everybody in like a collective, like what's the best uh, show of all time, I do think it's probably an HBO show. We can narrow it down to that. I would guess, but, but also nothing on HBO is that funny. Uh, I mean, Except for your enthusiasm. Well, yeah, they have comedy, but I'm, that's not one of the best right. shows. That's not in that conversation. And some people like comedy. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, The Good Place, not HBO. That's just straight up cable, and <laughs> I believe. And that was a really good show, and it's a comedy, the but it bold made you twist feel, too. Yeah, like that's an awesome show for like for if you love comedy, I could you could easily make or The Office, another big one. You could make the case that those are the best show of all time. Like they're comedies, but. For a comedy, they're freaking awesome, right? Um, I'm actually not a big fan of The Office, but I'm also not. A, I'm not an idiot, so I understand that the I'm cultural aware, yeah, significance exactly. of The Office for sure, for sure, it's cannot be is huge. Yeah. But uh, to me, it's overrated. But I, understand I agree. Why. But you have to put it in the conversation because just how many people are so connected to it. We're gonna do a pod yeah. one day. Why The Office is overrated? I thought it overrated so much. It's just like, oh, okay. We'll anyway, but the yeah. title to get people riled up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll say now if you want to make it short out of this. The Office is fine, but it stops being funny after season first of all, four. Yeah, it stops being funny after like season three or four. Especially when Steve think, Carell leaves. I also don't think it's that rewatchable. It's incredibly quotable, which is something similar, I guess. Very like mean, a lot of very a lot funny memeable, too. Yeah, but like 
it's a show just it, it kind of like Seinfeld. But anyway, like yeah, it, very nonlinear. Yeah, just don't think it has like they're, they've got the little arcs that you follow and branch out through each season. But like I just don't think it's that good a rewatch. And so when I hear people like oh, I watched it 16 times this month, I'm like, how? That's being I'm, lazy. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why? I don't. It's not good enough to warrant that. Like, there's again, there's it's very nonlinear to me. But I'm sure someone will disagree and. Go for it. Do, yeah. do your deal. Shoot your shot. Scream into the void. That's what I do. Um, but I'm just disappointed at the end. We didn't have Tom say, looks like I'm the new succession. Breaking the I fourth the, wall. Is it? I'm the succession. Well, that was honestly <laughs> having me thought he might because I said it was very uh, Game, of Thrones, <laughs> Game of Thrones, uh, House of Cards UK. And yeah. that's a signature point of, of both the American and the British House of Cards is the fourth wall break. And I was like kind of waiting for it when they were in the car. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, is Tom going to look at the camera and you know say something you know dark and ominous about the state of media uh it felt you know so much like house of cards last important point too you know one thing that's commented on and with the show and especially how it it depends how cynical you are to look at it this way but seeing Mm -hmm. how pure american corporations and conglomerates just being taken over overseas and i think like that's one thing that the Gojo plays a role in. It's just like, yeah, these major companies who de- essentially decide culture soon, they're not even going to be American owned themselves. And I think that's a, a commentary on that. And especially with the Swedish influence Gojo to go over the American media conglomerate. I That's something I noticed. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I think there's part of that, but I also, I wonder how much we're supposed to feel bad about that. Because again, think about it. True. This is, there's an analogous to this media in real life. Like, and people might hate us for saying this. And if you get your news from here, God bless you. (laughs) God bless you. But (laughs) this is clearly about Fox News and News Corp. Definitely. Clearly. That is the basis of of Waystar Roy Co. It's like they basically said, what if News Corp went on steroids? Uh, And I think it it also, frankly, takes a shot at Disney, um, who bought a lot of Fox. Uh, sure. By the way. They just didn't um, want the news. Yeah. So essentially, it's clear to take a shot at those two companies in particular. And um, I think that, you know, though Disney is different. That's not necessarily, but Disney, we can put aside. News Corp, I think there's a lot of people in this country who would love for a Swedish company to take over Fox News. I think there's we people have who Spotify would like take over. Yeah. I oh, think they're Swedish. Is Spotify Swedish? Is it Swedish I or Swedish? So. Yes. Yeah, he's Swedish. Matson Swedish in the show. But um I think there's people who would line up to sign the petition to have Fox News get bought out by a Ford company. I think there's people who don't believe that it I, I won't get any further than that, but I think that that's true. And I think that you could ask those people why, and they'd probably give you a coherent argument as to why. Um I also think it's important to point out that Logan is not American. Yeah. He was Scottish, moved to Canada, then came to America. Uh, Rupert Murdoch, who is his direct comparison, is not American. Yes, Australian. He is Australian. Um, So I think it's interesting that, you know, yes, I think there's a point to that. But also there's a point that, you know, a Scottish dude from Canada was creating right wing. uh, He was a right wing tastemaker in the world of succession for decades decades and as in real life a right-wing newsman from australia has been creating the right political spectrum 
the conservative right political spectrum in the United States of America for years now. Uh, only recently, frankly, did he lose that distinction to uh, Americans. Uh, in like 2016 and beyond is when Americans started kind of creating the right side, the conservative right side, uh, rather, of the political spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. Up until then, again, it was Fox News, which is owned by an Australian dude, is run by an Australian dude. So I think that there's a commentary on like the fact that, yes, American companies are being bought out. There's also a commentary on the fact that our culture, and I think this is both positive and negative about our culture, our culture is not ours, really. Like there's no, it's not America. Like, oh, the American people, like the American people are the people who live here, whatever that means. And American culture is the culture brought by the people who live and work here, whatever that means. And I think this show does a really good job of showing that uh, by looking at all of the ways that American companies are foreign owned or, you know, I mean, so I think that there's a lot of that too. I don't think it was an explicit warning about, oh, American companies are being bought out by overseas uh overseas um conglomerates i think it was more just our culture according to the people of succession i don't necessarily know if i disagree our culture is a bit empty waiting to be filled by the people in it the people in our culture are the people who make our culture that is american culture it belongs to the people uh who are here who are creating culture um which means it's ever-changing and kind of volatile um so that's kind of what i got from that but I think there's some good stuff there and some valid points. Well, some great stuff, Ryan. Now let's look for the next show to really deep dive in there. It's definitely not the idol. Um, No, it doesn't seem like it will be. It doesn't (laughs) seem like it will be. But um, I guess it's time to find our next show to really break down and have the um, cultural significance. It does. Maybe Fear the Walking Dead. No. (laughs) Walking Dead is so past its sell-by date. It's insane. (laughs) Oh, man, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. But great stuff, Ryan. We'll see you tomorrow talking all things Night of Champions here on this channel. And, uh, yeah, great stuff as always. Thanks. Talk to you tomorrow. Goodbye, Succession. We barely Bye, knew succession. you, but it was good. <laughs> great job as always, Ryan. Succession may be over, but on to the next one. Let us find our next great American television series, and let us remember the great times, moments, and memories that Succession has brought us. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube, and don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all our social media platforms on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Proud Convo Pod, TikTok is at Productive Conversations, and we're on Facebook at Productive Conversations as well. So we are back tomorrow reacting to WWE Night of Champions, seeing the fallout of that premium live event. I personally didn't like it. I mean, it was okay. The last two matches, no, the last match was great, and everything else just kind of happened. And I will break that down with Ryan and AJ the Man tomorrow. So check that out. And then we're back on Thursday as well as we preview the NBA Finals. So by the time I'm recording this, Game 7, Celtics and Heat, the fact that we are at this point is insane. And I'm about to just sign off and watch this historic Game 7. And let us see if my proclamation that the Boston Celtics would come back from being down three games to zero and being the first NBA team to ever do that in the history of the league... 
Let's see if it happens. Will the Celtics complete this amazing comeback? Go play Denver in the NBA Finals and capture another NBA Finals win? Or will the Heat prevent themselves from what is an embarrassing situation, which is going to be very unfortunate if they are known as the team or the franchise that blew a 3-0 series lead and being a huge Yankee fan that I am, do not want that whatsoever. It sucks. It's aggravating. The Red Sox fan will always have that over my head and every other Yankee fan. Does the Heat fan want that to happen? God forbid. So let us see what happens there. We are previewing the NBA Finals this Thursday. So I want to thank Ryan Page for coming on and talking all things succession. I want to thank Dolo Ren for what he does behind the scenes. I want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for always supporting us no matter what. And I will see you tomorrow and again on Thursday. Have a great day, everybody. And the weekend will be here before you know it. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, and I will see you tomorrow. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. Peace.